This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm J.D. Layton. I'm Emily Moshek. Only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I am one of your hosts, Emily Moshak, and I'm joined in studio by my co-host, JD And we have a very, very special guest here with us today, Nancy Fuller, host of Food Network's Farmhouse Rules and author of the cookbook, also titled Farmhouse Rules, correct? Correct. And you've also been on other multiple competition shows, right? I have, and I'm on the fifth season of Holiday Baking Championship. Fifth season, okay. Fifth season and Spring Baking Championship. That's awesome. So what year did both of those start, or how long? Oh. Or how long have you been starting on those ones? I have been working in this industry, shall we say, um, for five years. Five years? Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Um, so starting way back, how did you first decide that you wanted cooking to kind of be your career? Or what inspired you to get into the culinary arts this seriously? Well, I, you know, I was raised on the apron strings of my grandmother. And I was raised on a farm. I ate vegetables out of the garden and beef that was in the barn and and outside in the grass and uh and it was just a way of life it was the way of life in the farming industry in the oh early 50s (laughs) (laughs) and it's just something that followed me um all these years and then i raised six kids and that was a dinner party three times a day. And then I catered because I could cook and I could feed people. And and so that lasted almost 30 years. And then now I have 13 grandchildren. And um, yeah, now I'm not picking anything out of the garden. I go to my neighbor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he picks it for me and, uh, and have those kids, you know, all those grandchildren uh, learning how to cook and learning where their food comes from, which is very important. And that now is my passion, um, to let people know where their food comes from and to give credit to the farmers. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's quite a feat. I have my own small garden at home, and it's quite the process just to get everything from my garden into a, a meal. I mean, I grew quite a, a pumpkin not too long ago, and it took me hours to get it there. Uh, f- from pumpkin to anything edible. Which was... Well, now that should not have taken you hours, J.D. All you do is go out and take that pumpkin, cut it in half, put it on a cookie sheet, put a little water on it, put it in the oven, 350 degrees, and let it cook for an hour and a half, and then take the pulp, and you're ready to go. You can make soup, you can make pie, you can make cake, you can make anything your little heart desires. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, KCSU listeners? That is your Halloween Halloween recipe advice over here for October <laughs> from Nancy. But so farm-to-table food is obviously very important to you and kind of part of your philosophy. It absolutely is. My husband and I own a food distribution company, which is all very commercial. And um, I will say, David, please stop at the organic store and pick up a dozen eggs, and he'll look at me like I have six heads because, you know, there's 30 million eggs in the in their warehouse, and and I won't eat them. So, um, yes. So how has your home in the Hudson Valley sort of shaped your, your cooking? You mentioned that you sort of grow, or you did grow in your own garden, but necessarily how has the, your area influenced the way you eat? Well, our area is an, was an agricultural area. And so everyone of my ilk and my age 
um, you know, we're raised with a garden. And you you put the plants, you know, you put the seeds in the in the dirt in the spring, and then you harvested in the fall. And you ate, the Hudson Valley is, is uh, famous for all the peaches and the cherries and the apples and blueberries, you know, many, many fruits. So during the summer, you know, you're either with your grandmother picking bill blackberries along the road or going to a blueberry farm or an apple orchard or whatever, if you didn't have your own. And uh, that's how we ate. I mean, that's how we were raised. There weren't any McDonald's and, you know, big fancy grocery stores um, that offered anything. And when, you know, the whole industry started or the whole chemical industry started with processed food and, and you know, we weren't part of that. We were still on the farm, still raising our, our organic beef and our organic vegetables. Um and that's the way with most people, I think, again, of my age. And and I'm not sure that the younger people today are getting that vibe. They're not they're not living with that. They're living in a more fast paced environment. Their parents are working two jobs. Um so somebody needs to tell them that that the little red potatoes that come out of the ground are not taken out and then died. Um <laughs> I've had people think that, or that, you know, where does corn come from? Out of a can at the grocery store. So I think it's important um, to educate these these kids. Kind of in like in this past face world, what would your advice be for kids and students who aren't familiar growing up with that agricultural lifestyle to kind of eat healthy and eat farm fresh while living next to mainstream modern grocery stores? Well, I think that. If they can drive a car, they can stop at a farmer's market and buy a tomato or a zucchini or, an, a, you know, anything that's locally grown. Go, you know, find a, a, a community store maybe that has fresh organic beef and eat less. You know, if, if, if you think it's expensive, okay, then, you know, eat a quarter of a pound instead of a half a pound because you're getting so many more nutrients and so much more value from that piece of meat than you are if you're going through a drive through which is going to have lots of fillers and no nutritious value for you. It's quality over quantity. For, Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So, and kind of along with the Farm Fresh, I guess, but you also mentioned... Um, your show kind of focuses on like comfort food too, like home style food, right? And that's I'm all about ease. I'm all about um, in order to get people to cook because they are so busy. It has to be simple. It just has to be simple. So I will say, okay, take a piece of salmon, put it on a cookie sheet, put a piece of paper under it so you don't have to wash it. You know, line it in foil, and then <laughs> yeah. put the foil on, and then take some Brussels sprouts and cut them up, chop them up, and preheat the oven to 400. Put it in, take it out 20 minutes later. Dinner, you know, delicious dinner. And you can embellish, you know, your seasoning with with seasonings or fresh herbs or not, you know, if you're not a fancy eater or you're a plain eater. <laughs> yeah. Is that kind of how you blend being healthy with comfort food? I guess sometimes when I think of that comfort food thing, I think of like 
kind of huge like lasagnas or soups and breads, potato kind of things like that. Um, I this my my last cookbook, um, Farmhouse Rules. That yes has lots of you know like winter squash. It's all about eating in season, and it's taking all those squashes and 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 uh, like butternut squash and acorn squash and potatoes and sweet potatoes, and then making this delectable cream sauce, you know, mm. with fresh, um, you know, cheese from down the road uh, that my friend, you know, went out of farming, went out of, he, he quit farming, the kids took over, they make cheese. Um, and that's, we have a lot of that um, in our Hudson Valley. So yes, there's comfort food. My favorite food, and one that everyone wants me to cook, is just, it's called Chop Chop Chicken in the Pot. <laughs> and it's just a whole chicken, and you put some onions and some carrots and some celery and some sage, and put the chicken in, put the lid on, put it in a preheated 400 degree oven, cook it an hour, take it out, and there you're done. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how hungry I was going into this, but now I'm, I'm starving. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned earlier your food distribution company. Uh, can, you, can you sort of tell us about that? It's, it's Ginsburg Foods, correct? Yes. And it, we, have, we have, I don't know, 275 employees and 8,000 items with access to 15,000 items. We have sixty some odd salesmen on the road, and and probably fifty, fifty some um, trailer trucks, and an incredible staff. You know, and we're we're blessed to have the staff that we have, and it's today it's getting harder and harder. Today's the first time in a hundred and ten years that we did not send a truck out because we didn't have a driver. So that's big hmm. wow and we had a driver leave a truck in a dooryard in a in a parking lot and never came back to the truck oh my gosh oh. yeah that's not good so that's not good and so we really need to figure out how we're going to get kids that that maybe don't want to go to college to get a cdl license and and have a work ethic and go to work. Yeah, definitely. And kind of speaking of kids that age, we wanted to ask you about college students. It's really kind of trendy, I guess, to follow a vegetarian or a vegan diet. And we just kind of wanted to know what your opinion on okay, that would well, be. Well, you're talking to an old lady. So, <laughs> no, you need a balanced diet. You need protein, especially these young adults that want to have families and they're vegan, and they wonder why they can't have children. Well, you need the protein, kids. Um, <laughs> I mean, I see more and more and more of it. And and protein, I just feel that it's it's what builds your builds you. You know, it it um, it just makes you strong, and it makes you um, come together you know it makes everything work you need certain aspects for the brain and certain aspects for the muscle and and your digestive system so it's it's eating everything in moderation and and taking stock you know being aware of what you're doing and what you're eating because you are what you eat so uh, another mention when you reached out to us that uh 
you know, you think food really brings people together. And you sort of brought it up a little bit with your family, how you're sort of teaching them those values and ideals that go along with that. Do you think you could elaborate a little bit more on that? I think every every person, every child needs to have not just love, but discipline. And discipline is putting the napkin on your lap and sitting down at a table for dinner and putting away any device that you might have in your hand, like a laptop or a cell phone, (laughs) and looking each other in the eye, looking their siblings, their parents, and having a conversation, you know, how was your day? And what was the most interesting part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? What was the biggest surprise in your day? And the more you communicate, and the more you have a situation which is enabling them to sit down and eat properly, that's that's what it's all about. That's awesome. Kind of moving on to the TV side of your life, what are, what are the differences between being a judge on a cooking show versus hosting your own show? As well as just sort of cooking for your family, too, because I'm, I'm curious on that aspect as well. Well, what do you want me to answer first? Oh, let's see. <laughs> Go with mine first because I asked first. Jeez, JD. Just I'm kidding. Sorry. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But yeah, kind of like what? What is it like with your um, what is, um, do you have TV shows like versus judging other people's food and then kind of presenting your own? Well, I probably, I prob, you know, I love it all because it all has different different purposes. Um, when I'm judging the kids or judging the adults um, on the baking shows, I'm the home cook, and I represent the home cook. And I'm with Duff Goldman and Lorraine Pascal, and, and they're, you know, certified chefs and fancy, and they have terms that I can't even pronounce. <laughs> um, but basically, it's a cake. You know, whatever whatever the sponge is called or whatever, it's it's a cake. So for me, I want to be able to say, well, that cake is dry, and it's dry because it has big holes in it, which indicates that you overbeat it, and it's made it tough. Or, you, you know, your oven was wrong, you know. So that component I love. And then the, the cooking show really allowed me to show people physically how to prepare something, and it showcased the farmers and, and people in the Hudson Valley. And it brought a lot of family and friends together. So it was just a nice, you know, just a nice family show. Um, and I said, you know, I don't care if nobody cooks. I just I want them to smile and I want them to feel good. And, and that was the takeaway, just as you would if you're feeding your family and everyone is sitting around you want them to be happy you want them to really love the encounter and to be happy and that's their takeaway and i've always said every meal's a party (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like that so how how did you even get involved necessarily in having a show you know going from cooking for your family and catering for a while how does one sort of make that transition into hey i'm on my seventh season um well, that was serendipitous. Ser- seren- well, you can say the word for me. <laughs> serendipity? <laughs> serendipity. 
Um, it was, you know, when I, when I was aging, I thought, what am I going to do? I can't retire. I don't want to retire. And, and at the same, in that same kind of time frame, I was asked by uh, someone out of the city that was coming into the area if they could um, come into my farmhouse and be photographed or videoed, and then could they come out of my cornfield? And I said yes. And so the camera crew comes, and the director said to the girl, "Ask Nancy a question." And the girl said, "Oh, I would like to, I would like to buy a pig, a whole pig, organic, blah blah blah." And so I said, no problem, and I picked up the phone and I called my center of the plate buyer and I said, Scott, we need a pig, we need it by July, we need it to come within five miles, organic, blah. And so when we finished that, the director said, Nancy, have you done television before? And I said, no, I have not. And he said, well, you're such a natural. <laughs> I said, honey. I'm 63 and fat, and that's as natural as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and it truly started. He he just said, "Would you do a video?" <laughs> and I said, "Sure." And uh, and he did a video, and it was hysterical. And they took it to uh, Food Network and ABC and CNN, and you know it was just about personality at that point. And CNN. Picked it up, and Gordon Elliott um, of The Chew um, produced it, and there we went. Yeah, that's wow. great. That's awesome. And so now you're here in Fort Collins, and you, you've got a busy night tonight. You've got a book signing? I have a book signing, and I'm judging a, a competition yep. with some of your students. Yeah, with CSU students. Can you tell us a little more about what that event's going to be like? Well, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to go sign books, and hopefully there'll be somebody in line to buy the book and sign it. <laughs> and then and then I'm going to, um, I'll judge. I'll be the first one to kind of judge. And then the public judges the food, and the food, um, the kids have made lemonade, and they have made deviled eggs, and they have made homemade pasta with a sauce of their choice. So I'm so anxious I'm so anxious to judge that. And and that's today. And then tomorrow I go on to Casper, Wyoming. And I have a dinner um, that's being done with my recipe, with a recipe from my book. And then the next, and then we have an auction of, and that's very interesting. It's an auction. They're auctioning me. Like you can come, Well, let me say that you can it's it's a trip and the trip consists of of um coming to the Hudson Valley, having dinner with me, having cocktails, having dessert, having a tour of my historic home and lots of conversation, staying in town in Hudson and um, shopping Warren Street and whatever else um, they have. And it includes airfare and accommodations. And I think I'm so excited. 
I just I'm so excited to do that. That's awesome. That'll be so cool. Pretty wild. I've actually never heard of anything quite like that. So, well, we have this very very bright gal that thinks out of the box for divine travel in Casper, and she's just been fabulous. She's just been phenomenal. Phenomenal. That is and awesome. Then, and then the next day is Nancy Fuller, Fuller Farmer Fall Festival. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, the Pershon horses coming and all kinds of, of um, fun fun things. I'm, I'm looking on my list to see exactly the horses and rides and photo ops and book signing and lunch <laughs> and just all kinds of wonderful um, you know wonderful festival farm to table um, farmers market vendors just like a little festival it sounds yeah. it sounds quite nice honestly yeah, that and- sounds awesome in the vein of fall, and since you're, uh, you know, quite quite the chef from uh, your your accolades, uh, what type of what type of dishes would you say you know might be worthwhile? Maybe like a quick recipe of of your favorite fall dish, if you can think of it off the top of your head. Well, I love pumpkin pie, mm. Mm. and I love it served with a little cheddar cheese. Cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. My father always said, "Pumpkin pie without cheese is like a kiss without a squeeze." <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. I have to, I have not tried pie with cheddar cheese in it before. It's, it's quite tasty. I make a cheddar. I put cheddar cheese in the crust. Oh, okay. And then make a pumpkin a pumpkin pie. Um, pork in the fall is very yummy. Mm-hmm. I do a pork um, bacon wrapped loin of pork. It is just outrageous. And again, back to the, you know, the squash and the potato and the sweet potato and that cheese sauce is really scrumptious. And Brussels sprouts roasted in the oven with a little balsamic glaze. Just whatever's easy. Oh, man, that Mm -hmm. my mouth's already watering and it's just even even more so now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Well, thank you so much for telling us about all this today. It's been lovely having you on the show. Do you have anything else that you want to add, or? Well, I just want to thank you. I'm. I've never. I've been to Colorado. I've never been to Wyoming, and I just can't get over how gracious the people are, and kind, and sweet, and nice, and and I'm thrilled to be here. And I thank you for this opportunity. Of course, thank you for being here. And if you are in the Fort Collins area, Nancy will be doing her book signing and the cooking competition with CSU students at the cooking studio in downtown Fort Collins. So definitely keep that in mind. Thank you again so much, Nancy, for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, JD. Of course. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I am your host, Emily Moshek, and I'm joined in studio with my other co-host, 
J.D. Leighton. We just had Food Network's Nancy Fuller in the studio talking about her cooking competition that she's hosting in Fort Collins tonight. And we've got other local news coming up for you right now. A 16-year-old cyclist was sent to the hospital on Friday after colliding with a truck, reports Sadie Swanson of the Coloradoan. The crash occurred around 3 in the afternoon on the corner of Shield Street and Horsetooth Road, causing the intersection to be closed for about four hours on Friday. According to the police report, the truck driver was in the right turn lane of Horsetooth Road in order to turn north onto Shield Street. The cyclist was traveling south on Shield Street in the bike lane. When the truck driver turned right, the cyclist allegedly swerved into the driving lane on Shields, hitting the front of the truck. She was not wearing a bike helmet and was taken to the hospital to treat a few minor injuries. The truck driver has been identified as 62-year-old Donald Rasheel. Police believe he was driving under the influence but have not yet filed any charges. The investigation is still underway and police urge anyone with information to call 970-416-2224. Investigations are underway in Rocky Mountain National Park after two elks were killed due to poaching in the last few weeks. According to National Parks Traveler, both occurred along the path of Trail Ridge Road. The first case occurred in early morning hours between September 11th and the morning of September 12th, when rangers discovered the body of a large bull elk near Miner Pass. The elk was decapitated when they found it, immediately pointing to poaching. The second case occurred over the weekend between Friday night and Saturday morning when visitors found a deceased elk at, along the Ute Crossing. Park rangers determined the animal had also been poached but did not reveal what led them to this conclusion. Both of the incidents are similar in that the animals killed were both healthy large bull elks, posing a big loss to the elk population in the Rocky Mountain National Park area. Park rangers are asking anybody with information related to these deaths or any other poaching incidents to call National Park Service Investigation Services Bureau at 888-653-0009. If the information leads to an arrest, you could receive a reward. It is okay to remain anonymous. They are asking for any photos of bull elk visitors may have from the prior minor pass visits as the group of elk affected often frequent the area. Last May, CSU made national news when two Native American brothers were inappropriately removed from a campus tour by the CSU police. The campus police and the woman who called the police on them were heavily criticized. In response, CSU offered the Gray family a reimbursement check, and the campus police reformed some of their policies, according to the Denver Post. The ACLU contacted the CSU police throughout the summer and last Thursday sent a letter to Tony Frank suggesting more policy changes for the campus police. Specific policy changes suggested were to incorporate lead or listen and explain with equity and dignity principles, fair and impartial policing, and additional trainings, according to ACLU.org. The ACLU hopes these policy changes help the dispatch staff better understand suspicious caller behavior. They also want a respond and observe option to be acceptable so the campus police do not feel forced to automatically intervene in a suspicious call-in. CSU has not yet publicly responded to this letter. That wraps up our local news for now. I believe we will take a quick break before we dive right into national news here on the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU FM. 
And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshak, joined in studio with my co-host here for National News. I'm J.D. Layton. After being adrift for 49 days, an Indonesian teen, Aldi Novel Adelang, has been rescued from his raft, reports Lauren Salt Morehouse of CNN. Aldi was initially set adrift in mid-July when his fishing raft was cut from its anchor. Aldi drifted all the way to Guam and stated he had seen more than 10 ships pass by him without stopping or attempting to communicate with him. Aldi stated every time he saw a ship that he was hopeful, but that none of the ships stopped. Aldi said that he often cried while he was adrift because he was scared no one would rescue him. He was finally rescued on August 31st by a Panamanian ship by yelling help in English and banging cans and was brought to Japan for medical treatment. When he arrived, the Japanese Coast Guard deemed him medically fit to return to Indonesia. The Indonesian consulate has stated a firm thanks and appreciation to all parties involved in rescuing and returning Aldi home safely to Indonesia. That's crazy. That's some Life of Pi stuff. That's right what there. I was just about to say. That sounds like that could be a movie. I, you know, and like I, I as I was reading it, I just my my heart went out. It's forty nine days adrift alone, and you see ships that don't stop. That's, ah, that. Is terrifying. I know. I'm, well, I'm glad he he made it back alive. Yes, you know, is, is okay. That's that's quite the story right there. That is quite the story. And yeah, we're glad he made it home safe. And we've got another crazy story up next on our national news. On Saturday evening in Lakewood, New Jersey, a 10-month-old baby boy was found crawling across a busy street, according to NBC10 Philadelphia. 41-year-old Corey Cannon was driving by when he saw the baby on the road. He then slowed traffic trying to talk to the baby and took a photo of him, which has since gone viral, reports Fox News. At the same time, the baby was discovered by Cannon. A neighbor arrived and took the baby and returned him to his home. Lakewood Police Captain Gregory Stafford-Smith told Jersey Shore Online, quote, Further investigation revealed that the infant may have left through a door that was left unsecured by an older sibling. The family of the child was unaware he had left until the neighbor returned him. There is an ongoing investigation with the Lakewood Police Department and the New Jersey Division of Child Protection and Permanency. We've got... Another wacky one, keeping up with the trend. It's it's just one of those days in the news world. <laughs> yeah. Early Tuesday morning, President Trump addressed the U.N. General Assembly and was met with an unexpected response from the group, reports Chris Saleza of CNN. In the president's opening speech, he touted his accomplishments in office, claiming in less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than any other administration in the history of the country, to which the assembly responded with laughter. The president seemed to be taken aback by the laughter, acting as if he did not understand it, stating, I didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. This this latest course of action seems to follow the exact response of the global community Trump had criticized former President Obama's administration about, stating in several campaign addresses, the world is laughing at us. That is a strange twist of irony right there. It's just a weird things are happening it is strange but you know i can't say with the trump presidency i'm surprised about the irony in that one especially with his i feel like the more you tweet the more the more irony you open yourself up to i'm waiting for the clap back on twitter because i'm sure that'll be just as interesting oh yes yes i am sure Last Saturday, a wildfire on the Greek island Lagos 
threatened the Moria refugee camp. There are about 9,000 refugees on the island waiting on information about their asylum claims, according to the New York Times. The fire is reportedly under control, and it has thankfully not caused any casualties. However, it certainly has not helped the poor living conditions on the island. There are many Turkish refugees with pending asylum applications and with more refugees being deported to the Greek islands. Daily overcrowdedness is a major issue. The migrants have been struggling for a place to live for almost two years, and the lack of a solution keeps the camp crowded, according to NPR. Many migrants are emotionally distressed from the wars of their countries and poor living conditions, but the problem seems to remain solutionless. And kind of speaking of problems with refugees and the migrant crisis, we'll be speaking with Bill Frelick of the Human Rights Watch to kind of talk a little bit more about that issue tomorrow. So we'll have that up on the air and on our website soon as well. Right. And additionally, along with that, if you missed the interview with Nancy Fuller, we'll be having that posted as well as video to go alongside it. So maybe radio isn't necessarily your forte and you want to see what's going on inside the KCSU studio. We've got that on our website at kcsufm.com. We're going to take a quick break, but come back up because we have sports updates up next for you here on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU for Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshek, joined in studio by my co-host. J.D. Layton. And he is substituting today for our sports analyst, Ray McGowan, who could not be here today. But J.D. is going to put on his sports shoes and tell us about how CSU played against Illinois State on Saturday over the weekend. Yeah, these are Ray McGowan's very own notes. So it's him just in my voice. If you've been watching Colorado State football for the last couple of games, you start to understand their strengths, their weaknesses, and how they will do in their next opponent. For this game, everyone wanted to believe that CSU could come out on top against their FCS opponent, the Illinois State Redbirds. The end result was about what many of us have expected out of the Rams. Disappointing. CSU came off an embarrassing loss against the University of Florida just the week before, CSU upset the, universe, upset the University of Arkansas, an SEC school, and then was given a wake-up call in Gainesville, losing 48-10 with a 1-3 record. Many teams would look to having an F- FCS opponent as a great game to fine-tune your team before conference play. However, Illinois State hovered over CSU's shoulders. The Redbirds have looked like a championship-caliber team in the FCS, ISU has started their season 2-0, outscoring their opponents 92-10 over the past two weeks. They held their first opponent, St. Xavier, to negative 30 yards in rushing. Yes, negative 30. And have only continued to show why they are a top team in the FCS. Going into the game, the Rams were considered a six-point favorite on the unofficial line and have confidence going into the game especially since it was at home what was delivered was the biggest disappointing game in head coach mike bobo's career at colorado state the redbirds run game put on a clinic led by running back james robinson who went for 184 yards as well as two touchdowns accompanied by quarterback brady davis's performance throwing 271 yards and two touchdowns allowed illinois state to put the game away 
Colorado State scored the first points of the game with a nine-yard catch by wide receiver Labizzi Johnson from quarterback K.J. Carter-Samuels. The Rams would not score again until four minutes left in the third quarter. CSU has failed to have a running a running back pass 100 yards since November 18, 2017, where Daylon Dawkins rushed 138 yards against San Jose State. An absent running game alongside the quarterback carousel CSU has decided to put themselves on has proven to be an ineffective, to say the least. CSU QB Carter Samuels has started the game going 15 for 27, 142 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception, but QB Colin Hill finished the game for the Rams with 9 for 17, 115 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. CSU continued to swap out quarterbacks at what seemed to be the most inopportune times, not allowing either QB to get into a rhythm. It was obvious that the offense was cold for the entire game as wide receiver Preston Williams only had three receptions for 14 yards, both season lows. The Rams' defense had some kind of success, keeping the redshirts' defense 2-4 of 14 on the third on the third down, but allowing the redshirts to go 2-3 and three on fourth and keep drives alive. The Rams fell to Illinois State 35-19, making CSU 9-2 against FCS opponents since 2006. That was a mouthful. That I don't was. know how Ray does it. I know. I don't I'm know like how he does it. I'm almost sweating either. after that. I know. Well, for all of those who, if you didn't quite follow Ray's beautiful words, basically, CSU's football team was is not good. Bad. Yep. Yeah. I'm, we lost again. And it was it was embarrassing. It was, you know, we paid them what something like three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to come out here. Yep. And just embarrass us. Yep. You know, and it should have been one of those games where we're like, yeah, we just beat Illinois State. Nobody's heard of them, but yeah, it was good. Finally got a W under our belts. Beat Arkansas, beat Illinois. But no, instead it's like we've just beat Arkansas. At least it's better than nothing. But we do get a breather. There's not a football game this weekend, and then we'll come back against San Jose Spartans. Yes. Yes, San Jose Spartans. So Bray's not here to tell us about all of their stats, but hopefully the Rams are better. I somehow. I I don't know. Honestly, it seems like we've lost our rhythm pretty hard. But. It does. I know. It's really it'll be hard to see, but for all you Ram fans out there, including us, even when we suck, I'm still a good old good old Ram, but hopefully keep the faith in a few weeks for when we play San Jose. But in happier news, in happy weather related news, it's finally kind of fall weather. It's nice and cold today. Final season. Flannel season. Of course, you can't see, but JD's wearing a flannel. He's very appropriately dressed for fall. But yeah, we've got 60s today. Tomorrow's only going to be 73. Although in true Colorado fashion, it's going to be back in the 80s this week and then back down to the 60s. So Friday will be a high of 63. I can't wait until next week when it snows. And then when it goes it's to 80 degrees. Well, there is a frost advisory for tonight, which oh. is not really snow, but I guess it's going to be going to be cold enough. My when- garden. I know. My plants. Oh, that's right. Your garden. No. Your pumpkins. No. Not the pumpkins. Not the pumpkins. Anything but the pumpkins. Anything but the pumpkins. No. Well, it looks like it's time for you to already harvest them and make, make Nancy's pumpkin pie. I Yeah, maybe I, maybe I will. I, I know. Uh, you can't forget the cheese. But so that'll be an exciting, nice fall week to look up to. That's all we have for the show today. But thank you to our reporters, Mia Sawaya, as well as Katie Otter. And thank you to Ray McGowan for his lovely sports words. And Food Network's 
yeah, sports words. I don't know how you call it. sports <laughs> knowledge information. I am clearly not a sports person, so forgive me. <laughs> and also to Food Network's Nancy Fuller of Farmhouse Rules for her interview. And she will be in Old Town um, at the cooking studio tonight hosting a competition. And JD, you're going to be there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have a full fledged triple dosage of audio, video, and art- art- article, articular. Words. words, written together. words. Yes, you know, so we've got all that covered for you. We're trying here. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're not doing too bad, but stay tuned. So that will be on the website. Keep an eye out for that. KCSUFM.com. That's all we have for you today. But thank you to my co-host, JD, JD Layton. I know I can't even talk either. <laughs> it's, it's one of those days. It is. But thank you, JD, for helping me out as well. And stay tuned. We'll be here again at 4 o'clock on Thursday. And we've got a lot going on. We have an interview about Foundation Yoga for the Brain, as well as our very own Monty Daniel talking about our upcoming University Center for the Arts production, The Laramie Project. So we'll have all that here on Tuesday for you. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins, 103.5.